0: Hello, welcome to The Ripple, a podcast diving into closure programs and libraries. This week, I'm talking about closure Editor tooling with Bozidar Batsov, the lead maintainer of CIDR. Welcome to the show, Bozidar.
1: Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure and an honor.
0: <laughs> it's good to have you on. So for the uninitiated, could you tell us what is CIDR?
1: CIDR is a closure Interactive Development Environment built on top uh, of the venerable Emacs Text Editor. It is internally powered by nRepo, all of the magic, uh, all of the closure evaluations uh, and such are happening uh, server side. And um, Cider is basically an Emacs front end for effectively leveraging nRepo. At least this is how I picture it in my mind. For other people, it might be a bit different.
0: Great. So you've been working on CIDR for quite a few years now, almost Six years or maybe more, more than six years, I think.
1: Yes, yes. I think I was uh, the primary maintainer uh, for the past uh, six and a bit years. I have been working on uh, Cider pretty much since the very beginning, which is one more year. I was uh, one of the first contributors um, uh, when Phil Hagelberg and Tim King started the project uh, the previous year. And after uh, Tim didn't have any more time for the project, I took over. Back in the day, the project was officially known as nrepo.el and it was considered to be just um, an Emacs client for Enrepo. But as the scope of the project grew, and because at the time uh, I was hoping that we were going to support other uh, repo backends besides nrepo. I opted to change the name to Cider, which kind of stuck. And I think it's a cool name. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good name too. Very catchy. So you've mentioned the Cider front end and Ripple, but there's a few more bits. I've always found Cider. you know, there's lots of bits that go into it. So could you tell us a little bit more about how things like closure mode and the orchard and other sort of tooling around Cider and Ripple fit in?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, basically, uh, one thing that uh, CIDR doesn't do for you on the Emacs side of things is handle the editing of the actual closure or closure script code. This is handled by a different Emacs package, which is named uh, Clojure Mode. It's the typical extension for uh, supporting a programming language in Emacs. It handles things like uh, code indentation, Syntax highlighting, some basic uh, code transformations uh, like um, simple refactorings, uh, converting between a threaded and a non-threaded uh, version of an expression and so on. On the nRepo uh, side of things, um, I mentioned only nRepo in the beginning, but um, we are extending, um, enriching the default uh, nRepo functionality with uh, several other um, middleware libraries. Uh, the most prominent of them is uh, Cider and REPL, which um, adds to NREPL the capability to do code completion. Uh, uh, it, it adds uh, functionality necessary to support an interactive code debugger, interactive uh, macro expansion of the code uh, on a step-by-step basis, and a lot more. Uh, If we go uh, into discussing all of the functionality, it would uh, consume the entire time we have um, (laughs) for for this conversation. And on top of this, uh, we have the Refactor uh, nRepo library, which adds even more middleware and more functionality. It has a separate Emacs frontend that plugs into CIDR. It's called uh, CLJ Refactor. And it adds a lot of uh, functionality that uh, you would normally expect only from sophisticated uh, IDEs like IntelliJ IDEA, like uh, Eclipse. Um, it is uh, a pretty, pretty cool project. One of the main differences between the functionalities provided by Cider and REPL and Refactor and Repo are that uh, everything in Cider and REPL relies on. Runtime inspection of the repo state, and uh, a lot of the functionality in refactor and repo relies on static code analysis, transforming the abstract syntax tree of the code. Uh, so uh, they tackle the problems that they solve uh, in a pretty different uh, manner. I do hope that uh, at at some point, uh, cider and repo is going to start leveraging code analysis uh, to to some extent but uh, for various reasons that we might end up uh, discussing later today this so far has been more pain than uh, I, I was willing to endure and there is more middleware for closure script um, support uh, we have the piggyback uh, library which uh, basically provides you uh, closure script uh, evaluation support which is missing uh, in NREPO out of the box. Also, um, the middleware itself is just uh, a thin wrapper around uh, many other closure libraries. Uh, one of them is called Orchard, and it is probably at the heart of everything that happens uh, in Side. The big thing about Orchard is that uh, the functionality it exposes is fully decoupled from NREPO, so it can be easily leveraged uh, from clients uh, using other repos, like maybe NREPL or PREPL or even just a plain uh, old socket repo, although the socket repo is actually newer than NREPL, so maybe not that old uh, when I come to think about it. The idea behind um, trying to push all the core uh, functionality outside of the middleware was to get... um, more people uh, engaged in the projects, uh, more people collaborating, and less and to spend less time reinventing the wheel because regardless of what uh, repo you are using to power your uh, closure development environment, in the end of the day, you are going to need exactly the same functionality. So better to build it as part of a big team than, than to have to build uh, every small bit uh, Every piece of functionality by yourself.
0: So that means that functionality that was maybe once inside it in Ripple has moved into a more generic form that other Ripples that aren't in Ripple can can take use of.
1: Yes, yes, uh, and there are also other uh, libraries uh, that are similar to um, Orchard in its nature. Some were that directly created uh, as a result of uh, the development of Cider, like. Uh, CLJS tooling, which uh, provides some of the functionality that uh, Orchard provides for uh, Clojure, for closure script. Right now, we merged uh, most of the functionality into Orchard itself. So uh, users can just uh, leverage one library and be done with it. We worked a lot uh, with the author of um, Compliment, Alexey Kushev. Mm. to provide uh, a nice uh, code completion experience for everybody. And uh, most recently, our team integrated the code completion support for ClosureScript from CLJS tooling into Complement itself. Uh, now we are working on an even smarter uh, code completion for script. It's already insider via an independent library named Suitable. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are uh, planning to add this to Complement in the long run. But uh, for the time being, uh, we want it to stabilize, to mature a little bit uh, on its own. And then we can uh, hopefully seamlessly integrate it uh, in Complement for greater benefits of the community, I'd say. I was also uh, helping out for a while uh, with... uh, Reply or Reply, I'm not quite certain how Colin uh, uh, likes to call the project, but this is basically the standard um, terminal repo client that most build tools are using. Uh, and um, yeah. you know that there are other similar libraries, uh, Cid, which is uh, an enhanced uh, debugger. Um, uh, some uh, closure uh, script uh, repos like Weasel. So many packages, and this is just on the Closure side of things, on the Emacs side of things, that, that there are even more libraries. So one big um, happy family.
0: So that's a really great overview of all of the pieces that fit into the Orchard. One thing I wanted to just touch on is that CLJ Refactor, while it's part of the Closure Emacs project, it's not sort of directly part of the CIDA release schedule. It, it sort of has its own development schedule and releases.
1: Yes, we, we are collaborating a lot, uh, the people who work on cider and uh, CLJ Refactor. Uh, l- let's say that, that there is quite a lot of overlap. Uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, stretched so thin across all of the projects that uh, I simply didn't have much time for CLJ Refactor and uh, Refactor and Repo. But uh, there was definitely a lot of uh, cross-pollination uh, between the projects. And lately, I have been doing uh, at least the releases for uh, COJ refactor and refactor and repo. But uh, you now it's reviewing, merging a couple of pull requests and cutting something from time to time when it breaks. <laughs> that there is uh, a lot, uh, a lot more work to be done. Uh, the project has uh, a lot of potential. Unfortunately, the two primary maintainers are very busy lately. I have been very busy lately. So um, work there has stagnated a bit. So uh, this is one idea for our listeners. I'll probably give them more uh, by, uh, by the time we are done. But we can definitely use uh, more contributors, more maintainers on uh, CLJ refactor and refactor and repo.
0: Yeah, actually, that was going to be the next question was, where is it most useful for people to get involved if they feel like they want to help out with the cider ecosystem Where where would you kind of put them to use best
1: mm-hmm. oh that that's uh, that's my favorite question <laughs> i don't have to think about the answer at all because uh, i'm thinking about this uh, all the time generally i believe that uh, the lower you go in the stack the bigger the impact of your contributions are going to be as they're going to touch uh, the biggest uh, number of people so the place where you can make the biggest impact uh, is n-repo mm-hmm. As every improvement that we make uh, to n-repo has huge, huge impact. Uh, NREPPO uh, has so many clients. It's used by uh, so many people that uh, we really have to always be focused on improving it uh, first. Uh, uh, right now, uh, we are working on one really big feature which is called side loading. This is basically going to allow people to dynamically uh, load libraries if they are missing. Uh, think of uh, requiring something that uh, namespace doesn't exist, and then nRepo is going to query the client. Okay, so you're trying to require this, but it's not on the class path. Uh, tell me what to do, then the client can uh, send... Um, base 64 encoded payload uh, to the server, the server is going to dynamically load this and it's going to continue with uh, the evaluation, which is uh, something that uh, gets pretty close to magic and uh, it's going to open up uh, a whole new set of opportunities. So every type of improvement like this one is really huge. That's why I constantly encourage people to help with uh, nrepo. There we definitely have a very sound uh, and robust foundation. There is no burning need for uh, fixes uh, or new functionality, but uh, we definitely have uh, a nice backlog of ideas uh, that uh, are are going to be pretty cool if if they are implemented. Going higher, it is really important to put uh, more things uh, in Orchard to extend the, the support for Script, this is probably the most painful uh, topic for me personally because I'm not really uh, very well versed in uh, Script. A lot of the functionality that I develop, I develop um, uh, originally for Clojure, targeting the JVM. And I'm hoping that the contributors are going to fill in the blanks uh, and uh, provide uh, the matching ClojureScript functionality. From time to time this happens, but most of the time it doesn't happen. And that's why uh, currently about two-thirds of the functionality insider, insider and repo, in Orchard, it's closure specific. Some really big pieces like uh, the interactive debugger are uh, completely absent in the closure script world. So uh, we can use a lot, a lot of help uh, there. There is a lot to be done in Refactor and Repo, as I mentioned, a lot to be done in uh, Cider and Repo. I would love for people to be working on uh, Cider and uh, Clojure mode as well. God knows that they have uh, the biggest um, backlogs, but uh, I also know how scared many people are from Emacs Lisp, so I won't hold this uh, against them. Still, I've always been a little bit amused that. Um, we are all Lisp programmers in the Closure community, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Emacs Lisp and Closure are definitely not uh, a million miles apart. <laughs> Still, uh, a lot more people have been willing to um, help with uh, the Closure part, and uh, very, very few people with uh, with the Emacs part. I'm not sure why, but uh, it is how it is.
0: And if someone is going to be editing or working on the Emacs Lisp part of things, if they want to just do a very small fix, they can just sort of CD into their Emacs directory and start editing the the code directly to kind of change stuff. Is that is that right? For, at least for small changes, it's pretty easy to just sort of edit the source code while Emacs is running.
1: You, you can definitely do this. In general, when I'm doing the changes, I'm always doing them uh, interactively, the way I program in Clojure as well. I just uh, change some code in Emacs, uh, I reload it, and this code becomes immediately available to Emacs. So if you rerun the command after changing it, uh, you are going to run the new version of the command. If you want to experiment, you can directly edit the version of uh, CIDR that you installed. But I wouldn't recommend this. Generally, (laughs) it's a much better idea to just clone the project somewhere And after CIDR has already been loaded uh, from the installed package, you can start evaluating code uh, in the cloned uh, folder, in the project folder. And this is immediately going to take precedence over whatever uh, instance of the code was originally uh, loaded. That's how I work. It's super simple. It's a really nice workflow. One thing that's great about Emacs Lisp is that you can evaluate it literally from every single place in Emacs and your changes uh, are immediately available to you. They don't call it uh, a Lisp programming environment for no reason. And uh, that's one of the key advantages uh, that Emacs has for me, that I never have to reload plugins. I can edit just part of the extension as I'm working on it. You know, I'm I'm just doing my usual job, say say working on NREPL. I see some inefficiency in CIDR and I can immediately edit the cider functionality and continue my work with an enhanced cider. This is not how things were happening when I was writing uh, Eclipse plugins uh, professionally <laughs> about <laughs> around ten years ago. And there's
0: a really great uh, document explaining how to hack on cider and cider in Ripple if you want to do these contributions so i've i'll put that in the show notes so people can follow that and get set up great idea and so you've touched on this a little bit but are there other things that you're focusing on with your current cider or cider ripple development or you know, anything in that orchard space what are your focuses at the moment
1: So uh, my number one uh, focus lately has been to document everything that has been created through those seven years, (laughs) Uh, because uh, we definitely outran the um, documentation with the the state of the code. Uh, I think that uh, before I started working on our new documentation portal, only around uh, one quarter of the functionality that existed actually had documentation. Wow. So the majority of people had no idea that uh, something was there. And it uh, really sucks because uh, a lot of work went into some really cool features. And I'm reasonably certain that uh, no people uh, are using them. Uh, most recently, I, I wrote a documentation um, page about uh, cider selector. I'm pretty certain that uh, like 5-10 people who knew about this uh, functionality in Slime, the common list equivalent of uh, cider that served as the inspiration for the project. Uh, so so people who are familiar with Slime probably use this functionality in CIDR just because they were used to it in the past. But uh, people who came straight to cider would never think of looking for a functionality like this. Most people don't know that uh, CIDER has a profiler, for instance, or uh, the code inspector. Uh, they don't know how uh, the macro expander works uh, and the, the various uh, modes of debugging that exist because it's not just the interactive debugger. Uh, we have uh, interactive code tracing. Uh, we have interactive displays of uh, locals after each evaluation. So, some other uh, small neat debugging features, but they were a bit hard to find. So, number one focus documentation, making it easy for people to discover functionality, to benefit uh, for, from this functionality. One um, aspect of documentation is the API documentation. I got uh, some feedback from other two authors uh, who have been leveraging. Um, and repo orchard uh, cider and repo refactor and repo it's kind of hard for them to figure out uh, how to use the api because um, there is no documentation <laughs> unfortunately they usually have to go in uh, cider's code and uh, reverse engineer things from there which is uh, definitely unfortunate to address this, I spent a lot of time this year working on uh, NREPL's own documentation first. I think that um, nrepo.org uh, is in a really great shape right now, and uh, pretty much everything essential is there. Uh, the only thing that's missing is a detailed uh, guide for client authors. This is something uh, on which I've just started work. So it's happening as well. And um, in a similar vein, I've created uh, a new documentation portal for uh, Cider and REPL a couple of weeks ago with some explanations of uh, the design decisions, uh, some tips about effective usage. Uh, that there is going to be a detailed um, breakdown of uh, the public API there as well. There is going to be something like this for Orchard. Uh, Cider and Repo uh, and Orchard already have CLJ doc pages. And for Orchard, I guess this is more or less enough, Uh, but uh, I can't really be documenting an um, NRepo API just with uh, doc strings. Usually you need uh, a little bit uh, more information there. And for Orchard, uh, I also want to have some design documentation, stuff like this. The same for uh, Refactor and Repo eventually. I want to package this uh, in one documentation portal, which is going to be docs.sider.mx, uh, with uh, different submodules there with uh, easy lookup. And um, yeah, that's the number one priority. The number two priority is to support all of the other two authors uh, that uh, are leveraging um, NREPL, and NREPL Orchard uh, that directly. I have uh, been trying to establish uh, some good working relations with all of them. I'm soliciting feedback. What are their issues? Uh, what is the functionality that they would like to see? same with the people who are working on uh, closure uh, repos like figwheel like uh, shadowcljs really the big theme of my work lately has been collaboration cooperation and uh, building a solid foundation for uh, everybody so we can all profit together not just the people who are using emacs and cider directly
0: yeah that seems like really valuable work and you know I hope people people appreciate how much work it is to you know do that kind of documentation and organizing which you know doesn't result in any new features directly but you know really pays dividends over the long term
1: Yeah there are new features in the pipeline as well <laughs> I've just uh, tried to you know stop myself from diving uh, in the new features uh, that much. Uh, for instance, one really cool feature that we added uh, in the recently released uh, Cider zero point um, twenty two was um, finding code references, finding usages. Great. And doing this with just uh, inspecting the runtime st- state of the repo is pretty hard. It doesn't work reliably, but I do think that it's still. Um, Better than uh, nothing. Uh, With the team, we have uh, been thinking a lot about how to do code analysis uh, better because uh, all of the approaches that exist today have certain trade offs. For instance, uh, if you need to expand uh, all of the macros, you have to evaluate the code, which uh, most people don't expect to happen when they're running a static analyzer. If you don't expand the the macros, then there are going to be a lot of uh, false positives and people are also unhappy. So uh, that's something um, that has been bothering us for a while and we really want to address it. I have been thinking a lot lately about how to support ClojureScript better. Potentially, there might be some replacement uh, for piggyback uh, down the road a different kind of closure script middleware which uh, operates more independently than the current solution. Another thing that uh, is in the works and it causes a lot of pain is better support for uh, JDK 9 and newer because uh, the Java module system really broke a lot of things <laughs> and uh, we are still uh, cleaning up fixing uh, some of the subsystems of cider that were impacted uh, by all of this so the users shouldn't be worried innovation is still happening but uh, let's say it's happening at a more sustainable pace another thing that i uh, also want to achieve uh, in the short relatively short term is uh, to get out the door the magic version uh, 1.0 for Orchard, for CIDR and Repo. For CIDR. As uh, I, I want to signal to everybody that we are done with uh, the constant changes, the experimentation, and uh, we are open for business. And we would uh, love to see a wider adoption of the tools we've built so far.
0: That would be a, a very exciting day, I think, Cider 1.0. One of the things that I... See so that you've started doing is GitHub sponsors, which is a program that I'm really excited about. Which is sponsoring maintainers uh, to you know provide support directly on GitHub. And there you've got a quote. Uh, the thing about OSS is that the more you do, the more you have to do. After a while, this starts to take its toll on you. And I think you in particular seem to have a lot of uh, balls in the air, a lot of plates uh, spinning. We've talked about the orchard. Area, But then there's also your whole other world of Ruby open source work that you work on, plus Emacs open source work. And maybe there's even more that I'm not aware of. So how do you kind of balance these? How do you think about keeping yourself sustainable?
1: Oh, (laughs) that's a very hard question because (laughs) that's a question that I have been asking myself quite frequently and uh, I never really figured out how to do it. It's hard. Uh, I, I can tell you this. Uh, all of the projects uh, that I'm working on started as uh, some small hobby projects uh, that uh, I never envisioned would have users besides me. and Especially uh, Robocop and Cider grew into something that uh, I never envisioned uh, I don't know how many of our listeners uh, have any touch points with uh, the Ruby ecosystems, but uh, RuboCop is the canonical linter for for Ruby. It's an extremely popular project. Uh, Each version gets uh, something like a million plus um, downloads and it has uh, numerous plugins for uh, different libraries and frameworks. Like you have... RuboCop uh, extension for Rails, um, RuboCop for RSpec, for Minitest, for Rake, and so on. So uh, that's uh, a lot of work. Uh, I also happen to be the main editor of the um, canonical uh, Ruby Style Guide and uh, all of the discussions around coding style, uh, best practices, uh, and so on can be really exhausting, especially with a language like Ruby, where everything is possible uh, <laughs> in terms of syntax. Uh, that, that, that's uh, one area where closure is so much better. The syntax is simple, uniform, and there are very, very few things that uh, you can argue about. With Ruby, the discussion topics are truly, truly infinite. So, um, yeah, I started doing a uh, few small things A long time ago, I believe that uh, my first real open source project was uh, Projectile, a project uh, management extension for Emacs. Probably it's 10 years old, maybe even uh, older. And uh, if somebody had told me that I would be managing uh, 20 plus um, projects with tens of thousands of users... I would have never believed this uh, 10 uh, years ago. On one hand, I'm really proud of uh, everything that uh, I I managed to contribute to the world of open source. On another hand, uh, I'm really tired and often uh, stressed out because the expectations uh, towards the project are significantly higher than they, they used to be. People are... Often complaining uh, that something is not uh, up to their standards, uh, that they need support, uh, they need fixes, they need new functionality. And often uh, my open source work, it feels like a second job. Mm -hmm. And I already have uh, one uh, very demanding day job. So I guess you can imagine how this uh, can add up to a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in uh, the past uh, two years, I haven't been enjoying uh, doing open source as much as I enjoyed doing it uh, in the past, and this is a very worrisome uh, thing for me. So now I'm trying to now I'm trying to balance things out uh, a little bit uh, uh, during uh, the closureist uh, together funding round. I'm not doing pretty much anything on my other projects. I'm merging a few pull requests uh, here and there, but uh, 90% of my attention is focused on uh, just uh, Cider and uh, its orchard. And uh, I am trying to keep everything else in the background so I wouldn't get crazy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. This was, you know, Closures Together was started not like specifically. For you, as like to fund you specifically, but I definitely had you and other project maintainers like you in mind when we were, we were creating it, because I could see that the current state of open source and enclosure and elsewhere was, you know, very unsustainable, and that sooner or later people were going to burn out and leave if they weren't supported in a better way. So, yeah, I hope <laughs> hope that we can continue to support you and other. Other projects, you know, like Cider, that are, that are so important to the Clojure community. There's a few sponsors that I'd like to thank in particular who've helped make that happen. The first is Pitch, who are building presentation software for individuals and teams. There's NewBank, who you were uh, just at the Clojure South conference speaking at last month, I think. They're the leading financial technology company mm-hmm. in Latin America. Juxt is a consulting company that delivers software applications and platforms using Clojure. Medicine is the first Finnish software house specializing in Clojure. They also had a conference just last month, I think, or even this month, in fact, maybe. Adgoji is a media agency. They've built their real-time bidding platform using Clojure. And Funding Circle connects small businesses who want to borrow with investors who want to lend in the UK, US, Germany, and the Netherlands. And they use Clojure to build their platforms. NextJournal is a tool that improves data-driven research. Their notebooks make results and methods reproducible and foster model-driven debate. So I'd like to say thanks to them and to all of the other developer and company members who make up Closures together and help support us do the work that we do, including funding CIDR.
1: I'd like to thank all of those companies, uh, myself as well, and you, and uh, the entire team of uh, Closures together. I I really appreciate uh, what... uh, what you are doing. I guess the two of us uh, obviously understand the value of this uh, to the broader open source community and I do hope that uh, more companies, more individuals uh, are going to start thinking about the economics of uh, open source, uh, its long-term sustainability and uh, how we can improve the situation. Uh, By the way, I'd like to say a special thanks to Jaxx because uh, probably a few people know this, but engineers from Jaxx have been uh, helping out a lot with um, cider sorted with Enrepo, uh, and uh, this is uh, much much uh, appreciated. Uh, as uh, just as valuable of a contribution as uh, as giving funds. So yeah, once again thank you you're awesome <laughs> and that's
0: dominic monroe as at least one of the people from Jux who i know is
1: yeah yeah maybe others too uh benedict Fazekas as uh, well yeah. he he is actually the primary author of uh, refactor and repo so great engineers great people john peter has been contributing uh, one of the creators of Jux. Uh, a few years back, probably uh, when he was uh, less busy and the company was less successful. Uh, uh, John has always been a big proponent of cider, and I love him for this.
0: Yeah, they're a great team. I really enjoy Juxt.
1: Should I say something about uh, GitHub sponsors because you asked me the question about them and uh, I kind of forgot about this until just now. (laughs)
0: Sure, yeah. How have you been finding it?
1: So I think that it's a great idea in general, mostly because it's integrated with uh, GitHub. So uh, the sponsorship button is um, in the face of just about everybody. Uh, so far, the results haven't been uh, great. I'm uh, I'm raising something like $250 a month there, which is not much, but it is more than I could ever raise. Uh, With my Patreon account and uh, GitHub sponsors have better fees. The first year they have uh, this really cool uh, matching cap of uh, donations up to $5,000 per year. So I'm really hoping that I'll get enough uh, sponsors there to take full advantage uh, of the bonus 5K from uh, GitHub sponsors. (laughs) But uh, as uh, everybody who is in IT is probably aware, $250 $250 uh, per month uh, mean what? Uh, <laughs> normally, I charge this for two hours of work. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's not very cost-effective for me. Still, I'm uh, exploring every avenue for uh, funding uh, that I come across. Uh, I don't think that uh, ultimately uh, we should rely more on uh, companies in the closure community and in every programming community to provide the bulk of the financial backing for key projects. And uh, we we can see that this is working uh, really well for closures together. We definitely need more companies to sign up there, but we are going to remind companies about this uh, as uh, long as we have to. I see that there is some awareness in the companies today and I hope that uh, this level of uh, awareness is, uh, is going to grow. But you know, knowing how much they save from uh, tools, from libraries, uh, and uh, so on, I, I really view all of the money that they spent uh, uh, supporting open source as investment, not as just uh, random donations. Uh, because if they improve the tooling for their teams, they improve the productivity for their teams, they improve uh, the, their delivery times and this improves their bottom line and the satisfaction of their customers at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that
0: goes doubly for Clojure companies because if you're using Clojure, I feel like you're kind of making a bet on closure as a more productive tool. Like it's niche, there are a bunch of drawbacks to using a language that is not as popular as other programming languages. So there's got to be a reason there. And, and I think for most people, they would say, yeah, you know, it's productivity. They can do things in closure that they couldn't do or couldn't do easily elsewhere. And if you think that you know productivity is worth these drawbacks and worth you know picking a more niche language, then I would suggest you know think the same about your tools. How much benefit and value can you get from productive tools? That's you know don't block your team, don't stop, slow your team down.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I completely agree with this one hundred percent.
0: So I was tempted to put make title this projectile versus space max but maybe just projectile and space max is is less inflammatory people who come to emacs actually come to closure and also come to emacs may sort of be looking around at you know how do I get started with emacs and two pretty good options for people would be who are sort of brand new could be projectile and space max and are you able to talk a little bit about you know, Projectile is uh, something that you maintain, and SpaceMax is is not. But maybe where where you see the benefits of these two, and perhaps how it impacts like the rest of the closure tooling system.
1: Nothing like a little flame war. <laughs> I, I totally love those. Uh, so just a small uh, correction. I believe you were uh, referring to Prelude, uh, not ah, Projectile. Yes, yes. Because Prelude is the Emacs distribution, and Projectile is the project management library. Yep. Um, So, um, Emacs Prelude is my, uh, one of my uh, oldest projects. Uh, It was my second uh, open source project after Project Tile. And, I I have, um, I have neglected it a little bit uh, in recent years uh, due to the enormous pressure uh, I I have to work on the other projects. I I still, uh, I still love it a lot. And, I'm always surprised um, when uh, I I go somewhere and somebody tells me, oh, you're the Emacs Prelude guy, right? I I love Prelude because I don't expect uh, that that people would be using it in the era of SpaceMax. SpaceMax became so, so popular, uh, so big. uh, And there are several others, really great uh, Emacs distributions like uh, Doom Emacs uh, and whatnot. Uh, what sets apart um, Prelude from um, the other popular Emacs distributions today is its um, philosophy that's focused on uh, simplicity, where distributions like uh, Doom and uh, Space Max are trying to to catch up to the modern definition of a modern. Text editor, okay, modern definition of a modern editor probably sounds a bit weird, but uh, now that they, they want to get the same experience that people are getting with Atom, with uh, VS Code, uh, with Sublime Text. And I completely get this. Uh, it's a noble goal. Uh, SpaceMax also has uh, or had originally the goal to entice as many Vim users as possible I'm very partial to everything uh, in this direction, everything that is uh, promoting uh, Emacs outside uh, of the core um, circle of its users. Compared to them, uh, Prelude's uh, main objective has been to provide a very, very streamlined, uh, very, let's call it classical Emacs experience uh, Prelude doesn't modify heavily the Emacs uh, user interface. It doesn't uh, rebind keys aggressively. It doesn't uh, install a million extensions uh, by default. It doesn't introduce new concepts like layers, for instance. Uh, When you look uh, at uh, the layout of uh, the Emacs Prelude distribution, it's just a bulk of uh, very basic uh, Emacs Lisp libraries that are, uh, say, one programming language, so some configuration for it, and that's just it. You can toggle them on-off, and that, that's the only novelty. There used to be some custom functionality uh, built into Prelude, but in the spirit of broader collaboration, I've extracted it uh, several years ago, to a library called Crux, a collection of ridiculously useful extensions. <laughs> uh, that's what Crux uh, stands for. Uh, so people from Doom, from SpaceMax, that they can easily leverage those. So I don't see uh, uh, Prelude and uh, SpaceMax as very big uh, competitors, mostly because we we cater to the needs of different users. I think that. Uh, If you're somebody who is comfortable with Emacs in general, you're going to find Prelude uh, quite convenient, quite aligned with what you are familiar. And if you need something uh, more modern, then definitely you should uh, take a look in SpaceMax and uh, similar alternatives. Uh, I do have a lot of ideas about um, improving uh, Prelude, but... uh, I'm also quite happy to see that even with uh, minimal involvement from me in in the past few years uh, and very small updates, uh, the user base seems to be slowly growing. People are kind of happy with it. This, I guess, uh, reiterates um, the common uh, maxim that simple is good. And if something works, maybe you don't really need uh, to change it a lot. I should probably start applying this to Cider as well at some point, but um, it has worked um, out really great for Prelude. I hope that next year I'll be able to pay uh, a little bit uh, more attention to the project, revamp a little a few things here and there, most notably, the package management, because when I created Preload, Emacs didn't have a package manager. Then it didn't have this uh, concept of managing all of the packages uh, declaratively. And now that uh, things in the mainstream have shifted a bit in this direction, I think the time has come for Prelude to adopt those ideas. But everything else um, in its core is... Uh, is just as sound today as it was ten years ago.
0: Yeah, I find often when I'm searching for how to do something in Emacs, I will come across a blog post from you on Emacs Redux explaining how to do it, and then it will say, "and this is available in Crux as Crux something something." Uh, so, yeah, I I think you know Crux in particular has kind of distilled out yeah you know, a bunch of really useful. Useful things that uh, I suspect most Emacs users, if they're not using it, could look at it and go, "Ah, oh, how did I live without this uh, for so long?" So check that one out. I would, I would suggest.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, th- thanks for the kind words. I, <laughs> I embrace uh, your testimonial and I'm putting it uh, on Craig's uh, website, on Prelude's <laughs> website, maybe somewhere else as well.
0: So as the maintainer of a bunch of projects that use or provide editor tooling to Clojure, I suspect you come across a lot of people who are new to Clojure, either submitting issues or asking for help or otherwise sort of wanting some, some guidance on how to get going. So what have you learned about sort of how to help people who are new to Clojure and new to Emacs and new to cider, all of these new things that sometimes come when you start using Clojure?
1: I've learned that uh, for most people, probably it's uh, it's a good idea not to try to learn uh, Clojure and Emacs at the same time, (laughs) as uh, you know that's uh, double the paradigm shift. Usually, the people who come to Clojure from another language are coming from object-oriented background, and uh, functional programming is new to them. Lisps are, are new and very foreign to them. And uh, when you add a magical arcane editor uh, uh, that's uh, 40 years old um, and it's uh, like nothing else that exists, it's a bit uh, too much. Uh, I've noticed that uh, many people are struggling, especially with um, starting to leverage some really sophisticated setup that they can't uh, understand. Originally, SpaceMax was enabling uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of closure extensions in its closure layer. And those extensions from time to time uh, would get out of sync and the users would start getting weird errors. If you're somebody who is familiar with TMax, with the lay of the land when it comes to the closure support, solving those problems is simple. But uh, for a newcomer, there is bizarre as they come. So I have uh, answered a few questions like uh, a million times, uh, mostly about uh, CLG refactor being out of sync with CIDR or some other middleware being uh, out of sync with CIDR. Now, one advice for uh, newcomers is that uh, maybe first they can learn Clojure with their favorite IDE or uh, their favorite editor, because we have so many great options. Uh, Cursive is really amazing. On Vim, the the support for Clojure is uh, pretty great. I'm truly astonished that uh, there are five or six um, Vim plugins uh, for Clojure already, and people are building more. So I guess uh, Vim users really must love Clojure which is uh, good to know uh, that, that there is great support for Atom, there is great support for Sublime Text, pretty much great support everywhere recently for VS Code as well. Yeah. Calva is uh, my favorite uh, competitor of Cider <laughs> because we collaborate so closely with uh, with the author of Calva and he even paid uh, a tribute to CIDR with the name of the project, which is derived directly from uh, Cider. As Calvados is distilled uh, from cider, so is Calva distilled from some other cider. So I think this is the <laughs> best name ever for, for, for a project. Uh, yeah, my advice would be you know, learn the two things um, in uh, stages. If you really want to get to Emacs eventually, start small. Don't uh, install uh, some really complex uh, Emacs distribution with many bells and whistles. Maybe even don't use Cider in the beginning. You can use something simpler like uh, Inf closure, uh, which is uh, enough to get you started. And it's uh, much easier to set up and uh, understand uh, ideas. Unfortunately, I've been using Emacs for so long. It's really hard for me to guess at this point uh, what's intuitive to newcomers and what's crazy and complex. So I just assume that everything is crazy and complex and discourage them to use CMAX at all.
0: Hmm. One thing which I know you've made many improvements to make Cider more approachable to people, one that I wanted to call out, I'm not sure how long ago it was, was that you used to have to manually set the CIDR in Ripple version. You used to have to set it in your project and now Cider will inject it for you at least most of the time i think which makes a big difference when you're trying to figure out it makes it i think a lot harder to misconfigure your project when cider is injecting that dependency directly
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah this was uh, one of the best changes we ever made <laughs> um, <laughs> it happened um, two three years ago and uh, before this this was the number one support request uh, that i would get <laughs> i'm getting some warning that uh the version of CIDR and Repo that I have doesn't match the version of CIDR and Repo that CIDR expects. Uh, so the auto-injection was, uh, was really great and it's good that we managed to figure out how to do it for uh, lining and for both for Toolsteps. It's not possible to do it for uh, Maven and Gradle, unfortunately, as there you cannot pass uh, dependencies uh, via the command line. But uh, I guess uh, Maven and Gradle are not as popular with uh, Clojure users these days, so uh, not that big of an issue. We try to do many other um, improvements to simplify the life of uh, newcomers. For instance, these days, uh, when you start a repo, at least by default, there is uh, a lot of essential information printed in the repo buffer. It uh, gives you a basic idea how you're supposed to interact uh, with cider. I've noticed that uh, the most confusing concept for newcomers is that they actually have to evaluate something first before they can run whatever. And, um, you know, we tried to make some uh, improvements. For instance, if somebody tries to evaluate just a uh, single form in a namespace without evaluating the namespace. Cider is going to auto-detect this, evaluate the namespace form beforehand, so the evaluation uh, the user attempts is not going to fail with uh, a missing namespace error. But I have been um, afraid to add uh, some more aggressive uh, form of auto-evaluation We've added uh, more tooltips, more menu items. Uh, when, when there is a cider plugin for Hydra, that it shows the structure of the key bindings uh, in a nice uh, hierarchical way. And uh, when you add the which key extension, it's really easy to find yourself uh, around uh, the, the many cider key bindings. Obviously, all of the documentation efforts were also done for the benefit uh, of newcomers so so this has been um, a big point for improvements i think that fundamentally the problem is not cider itself the problem is that Emacs is very different from uh, most editors and this is what creates the friction for newcomers
0: yeah I think you've done a great job and I'm sure you know this while there's always more to do i think it's it's great you know, just having an eye for the beginner's experience and I think one thing which can really help that which i'm sure you know but maybe others may not think of is that new closure developers are often the best place to make these kind of suggestions or to point out where they found they were confused so if you are new to closure and you'd like to get involved in a project like cider i think that would be i hope hope i'm not speaking for you but i think that would be you know some beginner's eyes on these kinds of projects could be really really useful
1: I agree with you 1 million percent uh, and uh, that, that's not just for cider that's for every project uh, open source professional on my day job uh, part of the onboarding procedure for newcomers is to ask them to uh, single out to point out for us everything that they feel is soft in the in the documentation in the setup uh, in the architecture because after a while you get so used to so some environment that, that you start stop paying attention to all the weird stuff and uh, the beginner's input is often invaluable and usually irreplaceable
0: <laughs> So another project that you work on is the closure style guide. Are you able to talk a little bit about what it is where it's at at the moment what your thoughts are on closure and style?
1: I think that uh, the guide is in a pretty good uh, place right now. we We've managed to document uh, most of the common uh, aspects of uh, closure. I, I think for pretty much every point except one, we have uh, reached uh, an universal consensus within the closure community, which uh, again uh, it speaks a lot uh, about the simplicity of the language and how easy it is to standardize practices when uh, when the foundations are simple. Um, There is one big point uh, where people are divided. Uh, I know that uh, you know it very well because we have discussed it uh, with you a few times online. uh, And this is um, how should we be formatting uh, macros Shall we format everything with the same indentation or with uh, a slightly different (laughs) indentation? I remember that um, Nikita had uh, a lot to say uh, on on the subject as well. I'm a big believer in semantic indentation, meaning that I really want to be able to visually spot uh, what is a function call and what is uh, a macro that uh, takes uh, some body as a parameter. I know that some people disagree, and I'm hoping that uh, eventually we as a community are going to settle um, on one thing. Another small thing that uh, has been a controversial point uh, has been whether to use semantic uh, comments like uh, like in all other Lisp dialects, uh, you know, where you have... uh, Two semicolons, meaning that this is a line comment. One, it's an inline. Three, it's uh, something that is outside of a definition and so on. I've noticed that um, as many closureists are not coming from a list background, they just prefer to put uh, one semicolon everywhere because it's convenient to type less. Mm-hmm. And I totally get them, but uh, the... Old time, common lisper in me, Dies a little bit every time I see that the non-standard uh, comments. and I'm curious uh, how we are going to reach some consensus uh, eventually. One thing that uh, I never managed to do about the closure style guide was to create a Lint tool similar to Robocop uh, for Clojure. Originally, uh, this was uh, my plan. I had even uh, came up with the hardest part of the project, namely the name of this lint tool. Mm-hmm. So I was ready for action, and then you know, life happened, and this tool was never created. But uh, recently, I think that uh, Kondo has been uh, fulfilling the, the vision that I had really nicely. And I'm guessing that uh, I won't be writing uh, a linter for closure anytime soon. I'd really love for uh, Kondo to eventually cover the entire closure style guide. I think this is going to be pretty neat. A couple of um, small other things that might be of general interest to the audience. Uh, uh, recently, I reformatted um, the style guide with um, ASCII doc and I published uh, a nice uh, HTML version of the guide at uh, closure.style I think uh, it's a much uh, handier reference than uh, the readme file that uh, was the only source uh, before. The the readme is still there. I tweaked a little bit uh, the, the structure so it's easier to uh, follow, and I think that uh, the sections are um, better organized from a purely logical standpoint Standpoint today, but the content hasn't changed much. I also want to add a blog section to the new site with uh, some um, uh, more in-depth articles on certain subjects, like, say, indentation, similar to the articles that... Uh, Uh, Stuart Sierra has been writing uh, in his uh, series on uh, closure do's and don'ts. Uh, I I definitely think that uh, many guidelines in the closure style guide can benefit uh, from uh, more rationale, more examples, and this is something uh, with which everybody can help. Hopefully, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I'm really short on uh, time lately. So progress is happening, but it's happening slowly and uh, others should expedite the process if they want to see more innovation uh, going on there.
0: Yeah, I've said this before, but I think the Clojure community really punches above its weight in terms of you know how big it is versus how how much cool stuff gets produced and created. So good job everyone who does this CLJ Kondo I agree is, is a very cool tool we use it um, and I really like it a lot so I hope it continues to expand its its domain of what it what it warns you about uh, for sure and you mentioned your job uh, you work at TopTel I think yes yes. Uh, do you want to give people a, a brief overview of what TopTel is and what do you do at TopTel
1: mm-hmm. absolutely so um, TopTel is a marketplace for mostly remote work uh, we basically help uh, companies who are looking for uh, talented people to work at those companies, and talented people who are uh, looking for remote work to get together and get some work done together. Fortunately, at Toptal, we are not using uh, using closure. Uh, many people assume that. Uh, Toptel is, uh, is doing closure because uh, I love Clojure and I uh, work uh, at Toptel, but uh, it's uh, not the case, at least not yet. Uh, most of our um, services are powered by uh, Ruby, but, but we also do uh, Elixir. We have uh, several services there. We are doing a little bit of Python for data analytics, uh, Node.js uh, here and there, so we are over the place uh, from a technical standpoint, and I'm trying to, I'm biding my time to sneak closure into the mix uh, one of those <laughs> days, if it's meant uh, to happen. We are a completely um, remote company, a completely distributed team. Uh, I think we have engineers uh, in uh, fifty countries, uh, on all of them. Permanently inhabited continents. I don't think that we have somebody in uh, Antarctica or however it's pronounced in uh, English. I'm always confused here between the Bulgarian and uh, the English uh, names because they are slightly different. Yeah, I think we're we're a cool bunch uh, and uh, we are are doing um, a valuable service for uh, society because... uh, now, I live in, in a part of the world which is not uh, particularly rich. I don't know how many our listeners know about Eastern Europe, but uh, it's nothing like Western Europe. Eastern mm-hmm. Europe is one very peculiar place. Um, and, uh, you know, the opportunities provided by services like TopTel to be able to work for uh, Foreign clients uh, which are going to pay uh, more competitively than uh, local can really uh, open up um, new opportunities for people and enhance their lives. Also, remote work uh, really helps you to see the world, to experience more from our beautiful planet. Uh, I had spent my um, entire career working in an office and when I started to work remotely, in the beginning, it was, it was really challenging for me. I continued to go to an office every day the first year, simply because I couldn't not work in an office. Uh, it, mm. was, uh, it was very strange and stressful for me. I remember so many absurd moments, like uh, my boss is uh, calling me on, uh, on the phone and I'm having lunch uh, at uh, some restaurant it never occurred to me to just pick up the phone. I would immediately call for the bill, start running for my office, <laughs> uh, you know, hang up, uh, text my boss, uh, give me five minutes, give me five minutes. Uh, and uh, now, now, in hindsight, I'm like, whoa, I was so dumb. Because <laughs> uh, pretty much uh, all of the conversations that uh, I've had in such an ad hoc fashion, didn't require me to be in front of a computer, to be looking at some code or uh, some documents or whatever, but it was, uh, it was a strange, um, strange transition for me. And now I do so much work uh, from, uh, from airports, uh, just uh, walking down in the park uh, or sitting on a bench. <laughs> I guess uh, with experience comes enlightenment. I guess it's okay to mention that uh, we are growing, we are hiring. If uh, if you're in um, into Ruby, into front-end, mobile development, uh, uh, data analytics, uh, data science, if you're into pretty much everything and uh, you'd like to work with a cool remote team where uh, the VP of engineering is... Uh, a person just as evil as me. You might check out uh, what are our job openings. I'd love to have you on our team.
0: Great. And the other way that people can work with you, of course, is by joining the Cider or Orchard or any of the other open source projects that you maintain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm hiring there as well, but I'm not paying nearly as good as TopTal. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, thanks so much for talking about all of the things you work on. I know everybody in the Clojure community really appreciates everything you do. Uh, So thanks very much once again.
1: Thanks for having me, Daniel. It was really a great pleasure to be here.